You are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. But for more info and Business Brunch-related content, head over to getradio.co.uk. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben Thompson. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. Happy Sunday. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson and Terry Recruitment. Every Sunday, I am really, really fortunate to be joined by interesting people and business owners and businesses all across Oxfordshire who kindly join me and share their stories. They share insight with you, the listener, and maybe give you some food for thought or an insight into a new sector. And on today's show, it's going to be no different. Um, I wanted to talk about the topic of coffee, and to do that, um, I've joined by been joined by two absolute experts. So we're joined by Andrew Bowen and Claire Bowen, who have lots of experience in the world of coffee here in Oxfordshire and further afield, and going to be giving you some insight. This is the Business Brunch with me, Ben Thompson. I look forward to welcoming Andrew and Claire after this. Get radio. Welcome back to Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the world of coffee um, and to do that we're joined by Andrew Bowen and Claire Bowen so let's start welcome to you both thank you for joining me hi Ben thank you for having us on yeah it's a pleasure to meet you at last ah oh, thank you no really really pleased to do that and um, so for those who are listening now and don't know you can you just give a bit of background um, on, on you on you both and really kind of that that journey in the world of coffee yeah, well, um, if you don't know us, it's we're Andrew and Claire Bowen. We're we're married and we work together. We are coffee shop coaches um, and work with people all over the world to open coffee shops, become more profitable, and expand. And we are also authors of the world's best-selling book on how to open and run and make money from a coffee shop, the Daily Grind. Yeah, and we started our our sort of journey in coffee. We were typical i suppose corporate um fleeing from the corporate world Claire was a senior midwife i work for a retail, big retail company um and we got a little bit fed up with our um our life as it was and for whatever reason well i think we know why we, we just you know we just jumped into 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 coffee we love we love the hospitality part of coffee we love the fact that uh, i think on reflection there we we used to spend a lot of time in coffee shops back in you know the early 2000s before they were everywhere um and you know we really enjoyed the vibe and we thought actually we could you know we could we could do this we'd really like to do this so we we started back in 2007 set up uh, became franchisees uh which didn't work out particularly well in the end for us because the franchise all went bust but then we reinvented ourselves as Jarbron Co. we have a shop in oxford uh, in new in hall street uh, for about ten years, and we've there's uh, our last shop was in Abingdon, which is still running, but with different owners called uh, Java on Marketplace, right in the middle of uh, Abingdon. There, so that's what we are. Amazing, and a great coffee shop too. Thanks. And we will uh, continue uh, the conversation um, all around the world of coffee um, after that. But thank you for that intro. Um, so one of the things we like our guests to do um, is to choose a song for those listening at home. Um, and you both have kindly chosen a song. So Claire, let's start with you. What's your song choice and why have you picked it? Well, um, I picked uh, Harry Styles, uh, Watermelon Sugar, because I love Harry Styles. Oxfordshire Station. Get radio. 
Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Who doesn't love a bit of Harry Styles? Um, today we're talking about the coffee industry um, and really, really delighted to be joined by Andrew Bowen and Claire Bowen to, to do exactly that. Um, so I'm just going to start um, with, with quite a big, a big question, um, if it's OK, is why has coffee become so popular well, I think um, coffee um, is, 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 oh, well, hundreds and hundreds of years we've had coffee shops. Mm. Um, and I think um, throughout the pa um, pandemic, throughout the recessions of the past, people still wanted their daily fix of mm. coffee. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, especially with the youngsters um, today, not drinking alcohol like um, the likes of our generation mm. did, um, it's, it's a really friendly place to meet yeah it's almost taken over from the pub um and i think with the introduction of um specialty coffee now people uh, can taste the difference between you know if you if you can actually buy mac to 25 years ago if you want the coffee anywhere the only question you got asked do you want milk or sugar uh mm -hmm. and it used to come in one of those really really flimsy sort of cups that Polystyrene, yeah, or, or really thin plastic ones that used to burn your hand on. So mm. uh, the whole it, it's been brought to a different level, and I think Claire's absolutely right. The sort of demographics shift in um, people not wanting to go to pubs and not being comfortable going to pubs um, and working from home and all that sort of stuff recently has has has, has brought the coffee shop really sharp into focus. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, having lived in Abingdon for thirty-three years myself, um, I'm 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 very familiar uh, with 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 your 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 Abingdon coffee shop, and 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 certainly when when you opened, um, you were um something something special, something special. You're you're an independent and 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 well branded. Um, and but actually at the time you probably had less competition. So, so I guess I appreciate that that you don't um that you don't run 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 the business anymore. But in terms of the Abingdon, I guess, kind of number of coffee shops. It's, I think, it amazes a lot of people how they're all so busy. Um, do, is there space for more? And and do you think that's going to continue? I think there is. Um, I think people are looking for different things now in their life, and each coffee shop has got a slightly different take on things. So, you know, if you if you like the Starbucks or your Costa, and you like the, the comfort of the brand, then you'll you'll go there. If you want something a bit different, you you know, if you want really good food um, and great coffee, you come to Java. If you want specialty coffee, you know, Missing Bean are there. have got re a really, really on it with with the um, specialty. So people people have got different reasons to go uh, to coffee shops. I think there is an opportunity as long as Gabbingdon is growing. I think what 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 we see within Abingdon is the growth of the. Um, the number of houses and chimney pots that are going up around it. It's, it's, you know, used to, as a, as a business owner for Abingdon, it gave me real comfort that we knew we had a bit of growth built in that even though I did, even though I did nothing right, I still get a few extra people coming in. Um, so I think it, it's driven by that. I think Abingdon is quite an affluent place. I think, um, uh, you know, it's links to the university and the sort of the, you look at the demographics, there's a lot of perfect coffee shop um, users uh, it, within Abingdon. Um, so yeah, I, I would. I'm a. I'm a. I'm as amazed as you are in truth. But some of the ones that have come through, they will. They they'll come. They come and go. So there has been quite a few failures uh, within Abingdon. You know, not all of them are there. Not all of them are in the same position they were before. Um, 
so you know some people have moved but you know so not all of them actually start up and continue to be successful but you know but we tend to forget those ones that are, are no longer there it's very easy to forget them but yeah so there, there is a general churn as well that's what i'm saying within it Course, absolutely and really really keen um i, I think over the next hour to really build build on, on what makes a successful coffee shop i think before we do that i think one of the things i'm keen to build on a little bit more is is your own journey really um you mentioned you left left the corporate life um and and set up set up your own business um talk talk to me about what it was like to set up a co- a, a coffee shop and and talk me through kind of that that journey and w- were there any surprises for you well, once we decided um, to to jump, as we say, mm. we um, we handed our notices in and uh, left work on the same day, and it was quite a learning curve for us because Andrew had previously been working in um, Central Europe during the week and coming home weekends, mm-hmm. um, so for suddenly to be no further than ten foot away from each other at all times, um, it was a, a learning curve for for, mm. for both of us. Um, but, um, it, you know, we, we feel we did the right thing. Um, I mean, we're still married. How many years later? 36 years later. So um, we obviously get on and um, we, we bring um, a yin and a yang, if you like. We're not um, mirrors of each other. We bring different thing, qualities to, to the table for us to, to know our work boundaries so that... Um, you know, certain aspects of the business I deal with, certain aspects Andrew deals with, and that's how we do it. Yeah, that, that, that point is really important. One of the first things we learned, I think, is that is the importance as you're working as a team um, is to ensure that your your team, the guys that work for you, um, know exactly who's responsible for what. Otherwise, you end up with mixed messages. You end up with people asking for holidays. I'll say no, and then five minutes later, I'll go to the player and ask her for a holiday or a, a day off or things like that. So it's a, it was very easy, very very soon after joining, we realised the importance of of that demarcation and the clarity. So that you know, I was I was all about operations. Claire was all about the sort of administration, the paying of suppliers and uh, managing the, um, the payroll, payroll and all that sort of stuff, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see. For the HR side of yeah. it. Uh, and we had we had clear boundaries of of, of our um, working life. Um, and it was only really in the latter stages when we only had Abingdon that we both uh, worked together in, in there. But we mm. still had um, roles in there. Um, so that um, we couldn't contradict each other. When we started off, we we sort of looked at opportunities, um, and I th- I think we wanted a we we looked at a franchise because it felt a bit more comfortable. From my background uh, in the corporate world, I could see that you know having a franchise there was loads of benefits, and there, there was nobody around. You know, back in the day, we need to teach you how to run a coffee shop. This is what we do now, but there was nobody out there. It was it was quite early on in it's hard to believe now you see a coffee shop on every corner and you know 73 in Abingdon alone but <laughs> fundamentally you know it's hard to remember you know it was it was still beginning I remember going home with from South Wales and we went home one weekend having worked in London and I thought well, I'll go out and get a coffee you know there wasn't any coffee shops in in, mm. in Newport uh, on that you know and they, it, they were about 10 years behind so it was it came out of London typically at the big cities um so we looked around and we found you know we didn't want to we didn't 
particularly want to have another big corporate. I didn't particularly want another big corporate. So I sort of stayed away a little bit from Costa. Um, and then we found Coffee Republic, who were a bit smaller, a bit more, um, gave you a little bit more flexibility. They felt a little bit more, the scale was, you know, more, we were more comfortable with it. Um, and it started off really well. And we, you know, we did really well with them, didn't we? We got three shops within pretty much 18 months. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, they had some structurally financial issues, um, which were there, were bubbling all the way around, which we were aware of, but hoped they'd go away. But of course, they didn't. And effectively, you know, they went into administration overnight, and we were left without a business really, um, and a lot of a lot of potential liabilities on our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we actually found out. It's one of our little stories. Actually, we found out we were at a, we were at a, um, a, a at a school uh, sports night in the middle of summer, I think in July, and just just before the kids finished, we were having a. Little drink at the local pub with all the kids running in the garden, carrying on their thing. And I had a phone call from the milkman saying, "Well, I'm not delivering you tomorrow to your shops tomorrow. Remember, we had a three shops, you know, one and a half million pound a year business sales business." He said, "I'm not going to deliver to you tomorrow because Coffee Republic got it into administration, so they therefore, um, you know, uh, we we're not supplying them anymore." And so, and that's the first I heard of it. Um, they lim- they lim- they lumbered on, and now they they reinvented themselves, Coffee Republic. But in the period we we left them. Um, and, um, you know, we had to renegotiate all our leases. All the leases were, were in that, were in, uh, the name of Coffee Republic. So we had a massive expense there, uh, a lot of stress because there was no guarantee that the landlord, uh, was going to take us on. Uh, luckily we built great relationships with our landlords, mm-hmm. um, because we paid our rent on time and we got to know them. So they respected us, um, and they were happy to give us an, another lease for this business, but they had no legal obligation to because the lease was affecting the unemployed. And in fact, one one bad thing that came out of all that is that for a lot of franchisees, um, because all the numbers were published um, by the uh, administrator, and, you know, the big boys just went through the list and said, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, and rang up the landlords and effectively said, oh, that's a busy shop, I'll take that one off your hands. You've got a coffee public franchisee in there at the moment who isn't, who you know, uh, hasn't got that blue chip sort of gravitas. Mm. Um, I, you know, would you rather Costa or Nero in there, or would you want sort of Joe Bloggs who's who's never lost his franchise? And a lot of our friends lost their whole business and life savings overnight because you know the landlord said, "Oh no, well, thanks very much. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you, you're in that building." on a tenants in common basis, basically, uh, because mm-hmm. the, la- the lease is no longer valid, uh, but Costa want to pay me. So therefore I give you three weeks notice to get out. And that's what happened. So we were wow. very lucky that that never happened to us. Well, get really, really scary. And, and as you say, 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 I, I, I guess a good thing came out of it in, in the end, in terms of talk to me about, um, about Jabra and Co, because, because I, I know that, um, I'm, I'm not just being polite. Java and Co had a really good brand, a really, really good brand. And, and I think that to those looking outside would think that you were a big business um, in terms of really, really strong brand and really, really big presence. How how was that brand created? And, and how did you go from that point of renegotiating to the point of, again, have, have, having that um, sort of well-known, well-known business? 
Um, well, we we uh, we named Java and Co. We sat around the, the kitchen table with our two children and we brainstormed for a, a name. Um, if anything, I'd say Java and Co. does sound a bit corporate rather than um, a, a small independent on retrospect. But you you said you liked the the, the name, yeah, it's nice. So, so that's good. Um, so we'd learned so much um, in the time that we'd been running the coffee shops. So we knew how to our systems and processes. Uh, in place to to make it seem really good. In fact, I can remember um, one of the team saying to you when somebody walked in, one of the customers walked in and you said, oh, hello, how are you? And greeted him like uh, an old friend. And, and they said to you, how do you know so many people? How come you've got so many friends? Uh, but that is the secret. You treat everyone as, you know, oh, how are you? How did your holiday go? You remember things about them so that you become part of their community uh, and you become that community hub. Yeah. we. I think in terms of the, the branding, it was, you know, we did it all ourselves with the help of our daughter and our son who was, um, was an architect now, so we had some IT skills. So we did a lot of it ourselves on a, on a bit of a shoestring, really, because we had to do something quite quickly because of the way it, mm. the way it all went. Um and we wanted to maintain, you know, we were proud that we operated a good business um, and we wanted it to project because it's really important, I think, to get people, you know, walk past somewhere. And if it doesn't look right or doesn't feel right, they're not going to come in. It's, you know, it's you you make that, you know, you know what you you make your decision about what, what the coffee's or what how clean it's going to be or how what the service is going to be almost by looking at the window so we want it's really important to get that that first pass right and we you know we like the color we chose the colors and we you know we followed the process so we're not completely naive with all the process it wasn't a complete you know a finger in the air thing so we choose our color palette we chose um uh, we chose the fonts and all that sort of stuff when we stuck up stuck stuck to that all the way through with the branding um and yeah, it, it's just developed, but we did want to give that impression that we were bigger than we were because, mm. you know, we had three shops, one in Maidenhead, one in Oxford, one in Abingdon at the time. And we, we had a lot of cross shopping between mm. Oxford and Abingdon. And believe it or not, between Maidenhead as well, there's a lot of people live in Maidenhead and work in Oxford and vice versa. So we we build a bit of a, a local brand that I really wanted. And in terms of getting um, landlords on board they want comfort so when you approach a a, a a landlord to say oh, i'd like to open x y and z they if they know what you've got then that's one hurdle jumped over straight away so it was part of the plan to make it feel a little bit more corporate we did do things internally that made it feel a little bit less corporate so you know we used stamp cups and we use plain cups there's rather than rather than brandy cups it didn't feel quite as as corporate uh and obviously the menu was was you know our own as opposed to we were a little bit quirky with the menu as well we mm. gave us for our milkshakes and things like that that were you know a little bit off the wall that gave us a little bit of an edge against the 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 competition um but yeah it, 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 it was an evolutionary but the idea was that we wanted to make it our, our overall objective was to grow our business into a, like a 25 site 30 site and then retire and sell it on but it actually didn't work out like that because we ended up, um, well, cash your mind back, it was 2009, we had this recession, banks weren't lending, we basically used all our cap, all our cash reserves, all our capital reserves, all our borrowing in setting up business twice. We set it up mm -hmm. once as Cough Republic and then had to redo it all pretty much within 18 months. Um, again, so all that 
little bit of cash reserve at the beginning was we were a bit strapped for um and it was um it was it was quite tough so we didn't actually quite get to that point of uh expanding more than three but i'm sure we would have if we'd have carried on and we'd have been a bit younger uh, i think we you know we would have left it five or six years and then and then expand um it's um and mm. um, thank you so much for for such insight and such honesty so far um but similar um to claire you have kindly chosen a song for us this morning andrew so so what is your song choice and why have you picked it well it's uh cold little heart by um michael uh Kiwanaki. um Basically, it's one of our favourite TV programmes, um, and we were in the States last year, and it, we go over Bixie Bridge uh, in, the, in the title, and we drove for that playing, playing this music. So, Introducing you to local trusted experts, this is The Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch um, here on Get Radio. Um, following that brilliant song chosen by Andrew following uh, their trip to the States, um, we've really been talking, I, I guess so far, really about um, Andrew and Claire's story. Um, and we've we've got to the point of um, starting with a franchise and then creating the brand Java and & Co. And, and, and I think we're just getting to the point where maybe the exit and and i think that all of us small business owners and and we've probably had 500 on this show since since we started three years ago um i i think exit is always something we're taught in business books isn't it it's always something that that is a challenge what what was your what what was your exit and um and i guess what would be your advice to those listening whether it be a coffee shop or, or a different business in terms of exiting what what's what's your advice around that well, one thing we do talk to anyone who's setting up a business, what's your exit strategy? And you'd be uh, surprised the, how little, uh, the, the small number of people actually do have an exit strategy. And you've got to have it at the very, very beginning because every decision you make will be guided towards that end goal. Mm. Um, I mean, as Andrew's already said, when... Um, we started, we were going to take over the world. We were going to have 25 uh, different shops and, and uh, be very big, but it didn't work out that way for, for us um, for the for the reasons that we've already talked about. Um, but then we've, we've changed our exit strategy um, to write the book and to um, pass on what we've learned, uh, the good and the bad things, things to, to, that you need to do things that you should, shouldn't go down that rabbit hole and all the rest of it. So our exit strategy was to, the success of the book took over and uh, we loved talking to other businesses and giving advice to other businesses of what they should do. So we decided to go that way, sell our coffee shops and concentrate on the coaching side of things. One thing we did at the beginning, which people laugh at actually sometimes when we talk to them about it, is that we set up, we had a, we had a, we set up everything around the business t- to a date. So in our head, we thought, well, actually, ha- we started when we were about, you know, we in our late thirties and we early forties. Uh, so we, and it was like, when, you know, when can we, how long can we see ourselves doing this for? When would be a natural exit time? Mm-hmm. And we just picked fifty-five. We thought, well, actually, when we're fifty-five, we'll sort of, we'll want to be looking at doing something different. So we actually use that date so when when we borrowed money or when we signed a lease or when we did anything it was all around you know around that that time it was you know we, we all the agreements everything we planned stopped 
when we got to 55 so that we knew that there would be a point in time in the business that, that, that we'd, we'd have a, a clear space that we could then decide to do stuff. So um, that was that was, that was was a, a, a sort of a piece of genius, really, at the big, uh, although we didn't quite realise, but it was just that natural thing. Well, you know, we couldn't see ourselves. I was looking in the court, well, I was seeing people getting burnt out, and I could see, I knew coffee shops were um, quite uh, an intensive business to work in um and you know it was just that so having that having a date in mind about what you want to do whether it's you know whether uh, and i think for us we couldn't see our kids it wasn't something we want to hand over to our kids we know lots of i've got friends who've got their own businesses that uh, you know successful businesses they've managed to they're looking at moving it on to their children their children begin to working it and they're carrying it on second generation third generation I never thought that for our children to do that. They 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 weren't really interested in that. They'd already made their career decisions, so it wasn't something we thought. Well, that's that'll come in handy as a as a as, as something for my son to do when he when he leaves university. Um, so that wasn't on the agenda. But having that having there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, the the you know, the biggest issue you get with with that succession thing. Um, is that if you've got such a, a very successful business and you've got more than one child because it then it becomes a bit a bit stressful who who takes it on um i got a farmer friend of ours is you know was in a similar situation but uh, you know we've got lots of children but luckily only one of one wants to take or take on the farm so um had they all wanted to then they it would cause a problem but having putting some thought into the end game really what you want to achieve at the end of it um is important absolutely um, Andrew, I'm going to come um, full circle, if that's OK, um, and I'm going to go from the end right back to the start. Um, something we we touched on when talking about Abingdon um, is um, that there have been some really successful coffee shops, but there have also been some that have come and gone. And I know this is your business, coaching people to set up a successful coffee shop. So I want to ask a very big question. Um which um which may be difficult to answer considering the amount of time we've got but um what what makes a successful coffee shop what 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 are those early steps um i think it starts with the vision of the owner and mm. i think if they if they have if that real clarity about what they want to the coffee shop to be what purpose it has within that town within that community there's real clarity there then the successful ones have got that clarity at the beginning people just open up and sell a toasty and a piece of cake thinking it's high margin you know those those are the ones tend to fail the people that open up and they've got a vision they've got a purpose um particularly it, it helps with recruitment i don't ask you all neck of the woods but in terms of getting people to come and work with you they'll work for you if you've got a vision if you can if you stand for something um and it, without that, I think it's really hard to um, make a successful coffee shop. The, the location is important, and very important. The reason we opened in Abingdon, because when we opened in Abingdon, there was a number of offices, number of places we could have opened. Mm. Um, we chose Abingdon because it's on the marketplace. It's in the sun all day. Mm. It's got a lot of outside seating. I'd like it to have been bigger inside because um, it is on the cusp of being too small inside. But with the seats outside, it makes it a you know, potentially a, 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 a successful business as it was. Um, the um, sort of the, the the sort of the menu and all the food that goes with it, the things you know, the design of it how is important as well. So again, you know, if you often Java wasn't isn't very big, so it's not it doesn't it's not great for mums and babies. 
So we didn't attract, you know, although there's lots of mums and babies, it's not something we could necessarily go after in having the mums and babies because the minute you have a couple of grams in year four. So we, our customer avatar was more about the the uh, the runners. We had, a, we had a deal with the guys on the park run on the weekend and, you know, we built relationships and partnerships with them. Um, and the cyclists, another cyclists, one. Yeah, so we were, we were trying to become the place for young professionals to come to effectively and that's where our target market was in Abingdon that that worked so yes having a having a, a clear avatar that that purpose links to um uh, you know and not being afraid to charge what things are worth um uh, and having a story about everything as well so you know having a good story about around how you come about what you know where your products come from you know be congruent um with um with your business there's no good in uh in sort of buying everything from booker and charging top price um uh, and conversely if you make everything from scratch from your grandma's favorite recipe and buy uh vanilla you know at sort of 70 pound a kilo um to flavor it and then charge the same as greg's up the road so you've got to you, again you've got to be congruent with that so um, you know, you've also got to um look at your, biz your business you can't you can't please everybody all the time you as andrew says you've got to choose who's your ideal avatar who's your ideal customer you can have more than one um but everything you do all the culture and everything you do goes with that in mind and that will instruct you on the the layout the design um the the employing people what who, who to employ the training um the menu items it, it, it'll it'll feed into everything you you choose to do after that but the, the the number of people that um we see that have no idea how much each menu item costs mm -hmm. and uh all they did their costings when they first opened and as we all know everything's prices have gone up so they think they're making a fortune on that particular menu item but they're actually losing money on that menu item mm -hmm. and uh, as as andrew said they don't describe it if you've got grandma's you know, luxurious, homemade, family tradition, chocolate cake, that's going to sell much better than a chocolate cake. It's the way you describe it. And that all comes in your story and uh, and telling your guests what you do and what you stand for. Yeah. And the, the thing that, that worked particularly well for us, I think, is, is really critical for all coffee shops, really, is that sense of community is building building a set of becoming part of the local community we did a lot of uh work as we said with the you know we sponsored the mar the marathon uh we we um supported the park runners we sponsored the cycling team um we had partnerships with gyms um you know all of so we um we we, we, we supported our local the local homeless charity yeah. and collected that was our charity that we we collected uh money for so yeah, we had the a suspended coffee scheme uh, back in the day we were the first ones in one of the first in the country to have a suspended coffee scheme so we, we you know we launched that and it was that all those little things we we became you know part number one part of the community and number two we're you know, famous for a few things so that's being famous for something so when you say what when you talk about your favorite coffee shop and you talk to somebody you you know you're you obviously always where's the best way to have coffee around here you know, you you'd be proud to say, well, this is my this is where I go because it's great. It's it they do great X, Y, or Z, uh, great coffee, great cakes, great something. But 
um, as being famous for something is the thing that really makes um, a coffee shop an outstanding success versus like an also around that sort of might, you know. And fundamentally, if they get the metrics wrong to begin with, so, you know, and that's, don't underestimate that it's, everybody knows, thankfully, you know, to the newspapers and the internet how much a cup of coffee costs to make, which apparently is very little. But in reality, you know, it's 15 or 20p dependent. It's probably in the paper every every other week, isn't it? You know, uh, this is how much, they, how much they make. But people don't understand how much it costs to operate. And, you know, even in a place like uh, having a small cop shop like having then the electricity charge and every 500 quid a month, mm. um, you know, labor costs on top. So it's very easy if you spend too much money on your um, on your fixed costs, rent, rent particularly, it, you almost end up with a, a business that you need to take so much money that, you know, to, for it to be profitable, um, the break even is too high. So, getting the managing your break even at the beginning and min, min, minimizing those costs at the minute as ongoing costs are really important. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and some, something I think so many businesses can learn from inside coffee and, and outside. And um, thank you both so much for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben Thompson, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio. Um, if, like me, you love love a cup of coffee, um, it's this, this show is really, really insightful, really enjo- enjoying um, the conversation with Andrew and Claire today. So thank you to you both for, 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 for your time. Um, I think some things that you both touched on quite early on in this conversation is that you both had very clear and defined roles. And I think that sometimes we see so many people in business um, go within their business bit or or set up a business because they're great at x or they're great at y but there's so many different elements to running a business what what do you need to have to run a coffee shop what 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 is the reality of running a coffee shop and what can be outsourced well the first thing is that you've got to do your research to know whether it's for you there's a number of people who want to open a coffee shop and have never worked in a coffee shop. They've just been the customer in, in the coffee shop. Um, I think you've got to have, um, the, the main thing I think you've got to have is the hospitality gene. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we call it the hospitality gene. Um, you've got to have, you, we've all seen uh, people who've got a happy smile, made eye contact and talk to people. Um, and we've also always seen uh, the people who's, miserable or it's terrible today it's you know the weather's awful and, and are very negative people so you've got to have somebody who's done their research and who's got that hospitality gene and um who are is a people person but has also got the skills the business skills that so they they can plan and basically employ us to get them on uh, a little Andrew and Claire on their shoulder and telling them how to how to open correctly. Yeah, I think the um, uh, you know you've got to have that white person in the first place with that vision as we described earlier on. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, you've got to treat it as a proper business. It's not just a license to print money because you look at the you look at a coffee shop and you look at from from everybody thinks that these type of businesses they see the queue at the door. Um, and they immediately imagine that owner is, you know, not there, but on his yacht in the Bahamas or just, you know, order his new helicopter because they are busy. But actually, these places are hard to run. Um, the the margins are high, but the actual average sale cost 
it is 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 it, the average sale is low you know six or seven pound a customer so it's it's quite a low you know where there's a restaurant you go to a restaurant and spend 50 100 pound a head whereas in a coffee shop you know you need 10 or 20 customers it's 20 10 or 20 times more work in mm-hmm. terms of you know um wear and tear on the business in terms of equipment in terms of labor costs to generate that sort of sort of sale so i think um it's uh and a lot of people go wrong because they don't build in in the sort of repair and renewal part of that it's really high traffic flow and it's very quickly we you know we've all been to places where you walk in you think this place on its last legs you know that um it hasn't been cleaned or the door handles are hanging off or half the lights aren't working and all those sort of things the minute you let that slip is is the minute the customers start deserting you because they actually why should i spend my hard-earned money in a place where people don't care mm. so having that being having that 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 eye on that as well is really important um i think to to maintain the standards the brand standards of uh, of what you're doing mm, absolutely um so so something else that i feel that we haven't spoken about enough um is your book um your best-selling book um talk talk to those listening at home about about your book what why did you why did you write a book what what can they expect if they pick it up well um we we wrote the book together um because people were asking us how to you know pick in our brains all the time and we decided that let's put it down on paper and mm. we didn't expect it to take off the way it does and it sells all over the world 70 percent of our book sales are in america so wow. um it's not just in the uk it's all over the world and we wrote it in a, a logical way that if we were starting again um what should we think about as that mm. you know it's for the why that the the location your avatars everything you you, you need to have in place uh throughout the journey of opening successfully. So we wrote it as a as a, a dip in and out book uh, for you to write all over, post it notes all over, um, to become a business like a business manual. Yeah, and we we basically went on a book writing course. <laughs> yeah. So we we were getting as clear as that we were getting I don't know four or five people a week emailing us, contacting us, friends of friends, can I pick your brains, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I started, um, we started doing some stuff on LinkedIn, just, just, you know, just see what happens. Uh, we started putting some articles on LinkedIn, some comments on LinkedIn about things that annoyed us and whatnot about coffee shops and, and where, how people got it wrong. And uh, we got quite good feedback from that. So I thought, oh, okay. So, um, then we thought, well, let's, let's write a, let's write a book about it. So we did. And, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, as I said, we, it's, you know, 2015, we wrote it, we updated it about three years ago. So it's, it's still up, it's still up to date. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's taken our life of its own really. Um, and it's helped us really as part of the, part of the exit plan. Although we was, you know, at the very beginning, when we started the coffee shop journey, we didn't think we were going to write a book and become consultants because that was never on our agenda. But, mm-hmm. you know, as time progressed, we actually, we, we quite enjoy this and it's, uh, it's something we can do, gives us a lot more flexibility now um with with the power of zoom we can talk to people all over the world um we write for you know trade magazines as well uh and do um, we talk at trade shows trade shows yeah uh and uh we have a stand for four days at the london coffee yeah. festival which um in april which is a really good place for somebody to immerse themselves in the in the world of coffee but we use the book as a as a 
as a starting point. Uh, and then from there, we, we do coaching with people. Uh, as we said, uh, as long as you can speak English, because we, we can't speak anything another language, um, we work with people over Zoom, wherever they are in the world, um, either on a one-to-one -one basis or with our club. We have a, a coaching club called Startup A Coffee Shop Club um, that we've put all the things that we used to do in London on a, a two-day business course in London, plus loads, loads more into the portal for people to access that portal, download lots of templates and, and checklists and and be able to ask us questions. It's the cheapest way to get us to yeah. ask us anything they want in, in a private coaching group that, that um, we can answer. Yeah, it gives us great, um, we get great satisfaction out of working with people as well and seeing the results. Um, we've had some really good success stories. Um, and, it, the, you know, the people that we've helped, um, they become friends effectively. And we work with them all along the line. And some of the stuff, you know, is that we talk to them about is uh, sort of really obvious when you look at, look at it. But actually, if you've never, if you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and you end up, People end up going. There's so much stuff out there on the internet uh, that is, you know, red herrings, as we know, that sort of don't really matter. Um, and some people, you know, what we try and do is help people get through that sort of um, see the wood for the trees, really, because you, you can spend you can spend a whole week deciding what what sort of what coffee machine you want, but in reality, you know, or what coffee you want. People often come to us and they 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 they. They want to open a coffee shop and they bought their coffee machine. And you think, well, great, but, you know, what coffee are you going to serve? What type of style is it, you know? Um, do you really need to spend all that money on that top-end coffee machine if you're going to be a little community coffee shop? Uh, or if you want to be a do specialty coffee, that coffee machine you just bought is like people laugh at it when they walk in because people now will judge a coffee shop by its coffee machine. Um, if if you're a, a coffee connoisseur like us, you know we we will we'll walk past a place and you know if it has got a certain style of coffee machine there, we think well, actually they're not really um, in the game of specialty coffee, so we wouldn't necessarily go in there. Or you know we so that so it's 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 getting people to on the on the right right part of their journey. Really, we we it gives us a lot of pleasure, um, a lot of satisfaction. Um, that um you know we work with people to to help them fulfill their dream amazing amazing no thank you um we are very almost at the end of the show um i can't believe how quickly the time's gone i, I could have definitely done another hour um but i guess as, as as the passing note one of the things that we do really love to do um on these shows is to share a top tip it could be something we've already discussed um throughout this show um or just a takeaway message or it could be something i've missed um so i guess if you had to give a top tip each or between you um what would be i guess kind of your takeaway one thing to remember do your research and get the right advice yeah i think it's for me it's um treat it as a proper business uh rather than a, a a passion project it needs to be you know needs to it needs to pay you um properly at the end of the month rather than just give you a job amazing well thank you so much you both um that is the end of the show um so thank you to you listening at home uh for tuning into the business branch with me ben thompson um this morning and just a reminder that you will be able to listen to me 
every Sunday um, at 11 o'clock, either on the radio or online, where we have some brand new guests. And next week, um, we are going to be talking about the world of hospitality. So, so again, we're continuing that theme. Also, just a reminder, there is a podcast version available, which is available via all of your favourite podcast platforms, and it's released on the Monday morning. And do look out for the video format, um, which is posted on the Get Radio Facebook page and the website every Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I look forward to seeing you next week.